0: When I was a kid, uh, I can remember going to the shops with my mom, and I said to her, mom, I want one of those cars as a toy. And so she said, which cars do you want as a toy, my boy? And I said, one of those ones that you see in the Grand Prix. And so she laughed at me. I wasn't quite sure why she laughed, and I also wasn't sure why I wasn't getting the toy car from the Grand Prix. And so she said to me, no, no, it's actually pronounced Grand Prix, and then she walked off. And um, I can remember thinking, thinking to myself two things. Why isn't my mom getting me the car after we've had this conversation? And secondly, how do you know? How do you know when you put an accent on a word? And how do you know when you, when you don't? I, I, I love my kids do it quite often too. And a grand Prix seems to be the one that trips him up the most. Um, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, I buffet my body. I buffet my body. And the word here is pronounced buffet. And it's what, what waves do to a coastline. Waves buffet a coastline. And they they begin to shape what the coastline looks like. And uh, some of the other translations say, Paul says, I discipline my body. I I beat my body. I submit my body to hardship. I make my body my servant. Some of the other translations. I buffet my body. The problem is so many of us are conditioned to read things with an accent. And so we read, I buffet my body. I eat all that I can for a set price. That's what a buffet is. I eat as much as I can. Eat all you want. Eat all you are able to. Make the most of feeding my flesh. And it's actually the opposite of what Paul is saying here. He says, I make my body my servant so that I'm not my body's servant. He says, I buffet my body. Today I'm speaking on fasting. And fasting is about buffeting our bodies. It's about beating our bodies into submission. And then we want our spirits to buffet. We want our spirits to eat as much as we can. So I'm going to start off with why we fast. A little bit practical, how do we fast? And then some of the outcomes of fasting. But before I get into why we fast, I want to ask us uh, and will give us an overarching question. Not only for today, but this is becoming the, the overarching question that I'm asking myself every single day in my life. Who am I becoming by the things that I'm doing? Who am I becoming by the things that I'm doing? See, all of us need to settle this question for ourselves because all of us are becoming something every single day. Your life is headed in a direction, but so many of us are headed in an undefined direction to an unknown destination. So who you are is, is not known. Who you will become is perhaps a hope or a dream The steps that you're taking, you have no idea if the things that you do every day are making you to become the person that you want to become. We just meander, meander through our spiritual life without any thought to who I'm becoming. But who I'm becoming has everything to do with the things that I do. When I say do, I mean it's the things that I say, the things that I read, the things that I listen to, the things that I watch, the things that I speak, and the things that I physically do. Who am I becoming? All of those things, because when when I put all of all of those things together, those things determine the trajectory of my life. They determine who I'm becoming. So I can have a dream to become this, but if I'm doing this, then I'll never become that. Who am I becoming by the things that I'm doing? I'm not asking myself the question when I'm looking to do something or say something. I'm not saying is it right? Is it wrong? Is it good? Is it bad? That's I'm less concerned about that. I'm more concerned about who I'm becoming. If I do that, who I'm becoming if I don't do that. So we'll get a little bit later to the person that I'm becoming and the outcomes of fasting. But why should we fast? Firstly, because fasting humbles us. It's a biblical way to truly humble to humble ourselves. In Psalm chapter thirty five, verse thirteen, David says, I humbled myself before the Lord through fasting, with fasting. And we all know we know that pride is a sin. But pride is a little bit like bad breath. You don't notice it on yourself unless you're wearing a mask for COVID, right? Then you, then you pick it up on yourself. And we also can't go around pointing out pridefulness in other people. In fact, Jesus warns us not to go around pointing out the speck in other people's eyes when we have disregard for the plank in our own eyes. So how do I know if I'm becoming prideful? How do I know if I'm pr- full of pride? I think we can ask a trusted person one, perhaps two, trusted people. And, and then I can think the best way that we can safeguard ourselves is to keep humbling ourselves. And a great way to humble ourselves is through quietly fasting without pointing out to everyone else just how humble you are. Are you only fasting one day? I'm fasting three. I'm far more humble than you. Right? If you get a, if you get a badge for being the most humble, you lost. Why do we fast? Firstly, it humbles us. Secondly, it starves my flesh and it feeds my spirit. I don't think it's a random coincidence that when Adam and Eve are tempted in the Garden of Eden and when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, both of those temptations take place with food. I don't think it's a coincidence. We all know that we need food to survive. We know that we were created to enjoy life. We were created to enjoy creation. But as humans, we are prone to self-indulgence, to giving ourselves anything and everything that we want simply because we want it and it makes us feel good to get what we want. That's self-indulgence. We're also prone to hedonism. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure that's fleeting. and So we will give up everything in the pursuit of pleasure that is fleeting. Why is addiction such a prevalent epidemic? We want what we want, when we want it, because we think having it will bring us happiness. What we don't realize is, is if, if what we want is self-indulgent and hedonistic, it's the pursuit of fleeting pleasure, the more we want it we, and the more we get it, the less longer it satisfies us. And so then we want it more, more quickly, and we want it more quickly, and then we want more of it, and then it ends us less satisfied, and so we want it more quicker. And that, that circle just keeps repeating itself, and we end up starved and malnourished. But wanting even more. When we, when, we, when, we, when we pursue self-indulgence and when we pursue hedonism, what fasting does is it denies us self-indulgence and it denies us hedonism through food. It reminds my body that it is my servant. I'm not its slave. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What fasting and denying my body indulgence and denying my body pleasure through food does is it brings the things that are truly hunger in for into sharper focus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you've ever fasted before, you'll notice that when you're fasting, you suddenly have, and magically, the sharpest senses you've ever had when it comes to food. <laughs> Somebody has a cupcake in the vicinity. Three houses down is cooking coffee. I can smell it. Your senses, the thing that you hunger for, the thing that you hunger and thirst for, comes into a lot sharper focus when you are hungry. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. As I fast, as I buffet my body, and I buffet my spirit, I deny my flesh, and I feed my spirit. As I do those things, I become hungrier for the things of God. So in the world, the more you eat, the less hungry you are, right? That's common sense. But the kingdom of God works opposite to that. In the kingdom, the more I eat of something, the more I want it. I end up feeling more satisfied and the more I desire it. So what you'll find is as you begin to get into the habit of denying yourself, so you will become hungrier and hungrier to, deny, to keep denying yourself and you'll look for opportunities but because you, eat, because you keep eating of it, you will both get, you will at the same time, get hungrier for it and more satisfied at the same time. Remember, we spoke about the cycle of addiction. I'm, I'm constantly more hungry, but constantly less satisfied. In the kingdom, I'm constantly more hungry, but I'm constantly more satisfied. The hungrier I get, the, the, more I, the more I indulge my spirit, the hungrier I get to keep doing it. The more I deny my flesh, the hungrier I get to keep doing it. And the more satisfied I become at the same time. Unfortunately, most of us are in the habit of denying ourselves the things that actually feed our souls and not denying us the stuff that leaves us spiritually malnourished. We deny the wrong things. It's the spiritual equivalent of saying, I'm going to sacrifice eating these vegetables and instead I'm going to eat this ice cream. Alright? It's not really a sacrifice. You can frame it however you want. It's not really a sacrifice. It leaves you unfit, unhealthy, malnourished. Yes. Unfortunately, most of our, many of us are in the habit of doing the same thing in our spiritual life, denying ourselves the things that actually will nourish us and feasting on the things that leave us malnourished. And so spiritually, we end up unfit, unhealthy, and malnourished, spiritually. Fasting exposes how we try to gain a sense of well-being by indulging in comfort we sometimes call this self-medication. Through self-denial, we begin to realize what is actually controlling us. When I begin to deny myself things, I realize what has got control over me. Our small denials of the self show us just how little taste we actually have for sacrifice and just how little taste we actually have for time with God. So Jesus says, ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. Right? Before he says that, he says, Deny yourself, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Before he says, ask anything, and I'll give it to you, he says, deny yourself. So we we said, as you deny yourself, the the more you do something in the kingdom, the more you do... practice the principles of the kingdom, the hungrier you become for them. And as you become hungrier for them, what happens is your desires actually change. So as I'm in the habit of denying myself, of buffeting my body, of beating it into submission, what happens is my desires change. And I start to desire the things that God desires. And then Jesus says, from that place, after you have denied yourself, ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. Why? Because you'll be asking for the right things. You'll be asking for the things that I desire, not the things that you desire. You'll be asking for the things of the kingdom, not the things of John, or whatever your name is. Does your prayer life feel as if you're just speaking into the wind? Does your prayer life feel as if it's just words? Perhaps, friends, perhaps. It's because your prayers are self-centered and self-serving. Perhaps. One of the ways for you to change this is for you to starve your flesh to feed your spirit, to deny yourself indulgence and pleasure through food. In the kingdom, the more you eat of something, the hungrier you become for it. Thirdly, why should we fast? It amplifies our prayers. Does God listen to us? Does he listen to our prayers when we're not fasting? Sure. Does me me fasting give God no option but to listen to me? No, it doesn't. Fasting doesn't twist God's arm. So 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15, there's, there's a story of David, who was the king of Israel at the time, and one of his sons is desperately ill and sick. And so David begins fasting, and for days he fasts. He doesn't, he doesn't leave his room. He's fasting and uh, praying for days and days and days while his son is sick. Eventually his son dies. When David hears the news that his son has died, he goes and he washes himself. He has something to eat, and he goes to the temple and worships. See, fasting doesn't twist God's arm. But fasting does reveal our true motives. Fasting isn't a magical way to manipulate God into doing our will. It's not a way to get God to be an accomplice to my plans. God, if you don't, if you don't bless my plans, I'm not going to eat. God says, okay, that's fine. It's like it's my child saying, if you don't let me go to my friend's house, I'm going to hold my breath until you say yes. That's fine. Hold your breath. Let me know how it turns out. That's not what fasting is. But fasting does amplify our prayers. In Mark chapter 9, there's a story about a man who's demon-possessed. And uh, Jesus' disciples go and pray for him. And they can't cast the demon out. And so they call Jesus. And Jesus comes and prays for the man, rebukes the demon, and it leaves him. And and he's set free. And then in uh, verse 28 of chapter 9, it says this. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, This kind only comes out. Through prayer and fasting. Does fasting manipulate God? Does it twist his arm? Does it put God into a corner where he has no options? No. But there seems to be a direct correlation between my holiness and the efficacy of my prayer. Although Jesus is not recorded as fasting very often, it's clear that he saw its value. Jesus says, Fasting is a private activity meant to spiritually commune you with God and not to win spiritual brownie points with God. Not to win brownie points with, with, with everybody else. In fact, in Matthew 6, he says this in verse 16. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. When you, when, he says, when you look bummed and you're fasting, you're a hypocrite. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. But I say to you, they've received their reward in full. Amazing. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And then one of my favorite lines in Scripture, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There seems to be a direct connection between our holiness and the power of our prayer. Do you want your prayer life to carry power and authority and not just be words? Your Father, who sees what is in secret, will reward you. One of the ways to do this is through fasting with intentional habits and practices, and we'll get to that in a minute. Why should we fast? Lastly, it's uh, to stand in solidarity with the poor. Isaiah 58 says this from verse 3. I'm going to just read a little chunk of scripture here. From verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say? And you have not seen it. God, I fasted and you didn't notice. Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, God says, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Only three days for people to humble themselves. Is it only for buying your head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Then God says, is this not the kind of fasting that I've chosen? Loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, clothe them, not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. So we said that fasting was two things. It's an act of self-denial and an act of humility. But there's a third thing. Fasting is also, Jesus says, an act of empathy. It's an act of self-denial, an act of humility, and an act of empathy. It puts me in the place of those that don't have. See, the hunger that you experience for two days or three days is something that many people in this country live with every day. Do you want to have a greater desire for justice and a love for the vulnerable? Fasting... Jesus says, is a good way to cultivate that. So that's the why. Let's get a little bit practical. How, if you've never fasted before, perhaps if you have fasted before and we are stretching you beyond what you are comfortable with, how, how, how should you do that? Comes a couple of practical points. Firstly, set your time. So if you've never fasted before, consider fasting one or two meals at a time. And beginning with that. You could consider, if you, if you have fasted or perhaps you want to try and stretch yourself a little bit, you could consider fasting sunrise to sunset, one day, two days, or join us for all three days. Many of us will, will, be, will be abstaining from food for, th- for a three full days, for a full three days. But you can do anything in between, one or two meals, sunrise to sunset for one day, sunrise to sunset two days, three days, full, full three-day fast. Set your time. I don't think that we should also only fast food. We said that um, buffeting our bodies is is an act of um, coming against self-indulgences. And so what else do I indulge in? Sure, I indulge in food, but what else do I indulge in? Um, For many people, it's leisure media. Netflix, social media, DSTV, whatever leisure media is for you, gaming. We we indulge in those things. Uh, For me, it's coffee. I indulge in coffee because I love it. That's an indulgence for me. So, so I, th- I think it's beneficial to fast food. I think it's more beneficial to fast indulgences. And so if you're going to do one or two meals, if you're going to do a sunrise or sunset, don't do sunrise or sunset and then have a flipping three-course meal with McFlurries for pudding in the evening. All right? So you, you, it's, just, it's just a couple of hours, and then you're you back to self-indulgence four hours later. Right? We want to fast we want to fast indulgences, self indulgence. So you can you can you can fast other things, but I wanna invite you I want to invite you to abstain from food also. For as long as you've got faith to do it for. Set your time, but then also stretch your faith faith. Consider going ten percent further than you've set. Set your time up front and then stretch your faith and go ten percent further but don't, don't go under it. If you're pregnant, if you're playing school sports, if you're taking medication, speak to a doctor. Don't get Facebook advice, speak to a real doctor before going on a food fast. So firstly, set your time. Secondly, drink lots of water. Very practical. We're abstaining, we're abstaining from solid food, but make sure that you need to drink lots of water. So soft drinks, Uh, sugar-based, carbonated drinks are really unhealthy for your digestive system. In the best of times, when you've got no food in it, they're far worse for them. Caffeinated drinks, tea and coffee, are bad for your nervous system. In the best of times, when you've got no food in your stomach, they're doubly bad. So I also think that they're a a form of indulgence, and so I I avoid them on both counts because it's bad for my body while I'm not eating, but I also think it's bad for my spirits at that time because it's an indulgence. Uh, before beginning your fast, uh, eat lightly and cut back on your caffeinated drinks. So uh, on Monday night, don't have the biggest meal that you can. Think, if I have the biggest meal possible on Monday, perhaps it will sustain me for three days. You can try that. From experience, I can tell you it's a bad idea. All that will happen is your stomach sh- swells, and then on Tuesday morning, you'll be more hungry. It will, be worse, it will go worse for you. Right? So, so taper off your eating. So, so on Monday, eat, but, but eat smaller portions, and on Monday night, have a really small dinner, all right? So you, you, you're tapering off your meal. Real, real practical. Keep drinking, make sure you drink lots of water. It's normal to experience headaches, normal to experience headaches and body pains as your body withdraws from sugar from caffeine. but make sure you're drinking plenty of water to flush your system and to stay hydrated. And then just a public health announcement, make sure you keep brushing your teeth. Often, right? When we eat food, it, it takes plaque off our teeth in the back of our pellets, all right? When you're not eating food, it lives there. Public, public health announcements, brush your teeth. How should we fast? Especially if you're working in a closed office environment. It's just one of those things. How do we fast? This is an important one. Go deep. Go deep and take a guide with you. So during your fast, set specific and significant time to worship, to seek God in prayer. Plan ahead so that your time can be unhurried. We've put together a a guided fast for the for the next three days. So if you're sitting here and you're beginning to think to yourself, okay. I think I can buy into this. I think I can stretch my faith a little bit. I'd like to fast, perhaps for the first time, perhaps for, uh, w- with a better understanding than I've fasted with in the past, but I'm actually not sure where I should start and how I should do it. We've put together a three-day guided fast so that we can guide you through some spiritual practices on a fast. This is not in uh, if you have your own spiritual practices, that's wonderful. Keep doing those. What I would ask is that you also do these spiritual practices because as a community, right, this is not just an individual uh, fast. This is all of this is Anthem, the family of Anthem fasting together we would like to do the same spiritual practices so that we can move in the same direction, right? What am I becoming? Who am I becoming by the things that I'm doing? Who are we becoming by the things that we are doing? So it's going to go out on the church app. And it's also gonna go out on WhatsApp. If you do not have the church app, if you do not have, if you're not part of our WhatsApp distribution list, please, please, please come and speak to somebody at the hospital. Sandy will be or Taryn will be at the hospitality desk afterwards. Either download the church app, it will come through the church app, or give them your number and they'll add you onto the WhatsApp and they'll tell you how to add you onto our WhatsApp distribution. Or, worst case scenario, if you don't for whatever reason have access to an app. Or WhatsApp, we can email it to you, or even worse than that, give you a printed copy. (laughs) Okay, whatever, do, the bottom line is, do whatever you can to get it in your hands. Help us to help you. The idea is that you would take some of the time, you would take all of the time that you would have spent on eating, and use it to feed your spirit through spiritual exercise. So we've removed the excuse of, I don't have enough time. I don't, I don't have enough time in my day to spend X amount of time feeding my spirits. That's fine. You've gained all of the time that you would have spent eating. We've removed that excuse. So through our guided fast, we've done 15 minutes in the morning, which is very achievable. We've done 5 to 15 minutes at lunchtime, which is very achievable, and 15 minutes in the evening which is very achievable. So this is a personal guided fast that, that, that we were going on. Then in the evenings, we're getting together to pray together. So we, we, we are trusting God for some things specifically uh, come and pray with us. That's in addition to this. It's not, it's not separate to this. That's with this. Add it together. All right. C.S. Lewis talks about descending from the kingdom of noise to the kingdom of peace the kingdom of noise that we live in. He says, descend from the kingdom of noise to the kingdom of peace. This is an important part of the fast, and it's not something that can be rushed. You, You can't squeeze a purple wrap. You can't rush your way into deep waters with God. Remember I spoke two weeks ago about the deep part of your being the deep part of your being, out of the shallows of distraction that the world was designed to keep us in through the midlands of cares and burdens into the deep waters that God wants us to linger in. Fasting will highlight to you where you are living. as Your your body will start rebelling because our bodies are like petulant children. They, they, they can't fathom why we're not obeying them. Why are you not listening to me? And they can't fathom a reason why we shouldn't listen to them. And we realize that we... Actually, the place we're living in is that the shallows of distraction. Push through it again. The guided fast will have some practices to help you practically do that. As you push through the shallows of distraction into the midlands, and you begin to confront your fears and your cares and your burdens, your your body will be shouting at you. Your biggest burden right now is not having food to eat. Your body will begin to scream that to you. Push through that. Remember, we're not buffeting our bodies; we are buffeting our bodies. We are beating them into submission telling our bodies they are our servants. We are not their slaves. See, fasting isn't only an abstinence. It's a whole being practice. It's no, good, it's no good just abstaining from food. That's a dietary fast. Helpful. But a spiritual fast is not only an abstinence. It's a whole being practice. It's something that I have to practice with my whole being. It's a way for Jesus to grow and speak to me. It's a way for Jesus to grow me and speak to me, but not through my intellect. See, Jesus grows me and speaks to me as he speaks to me through what I read, through what I listen to, through what I meditate on. But this is an opportunity for Jesus to grow me and speak to me through my stomach. And it's the same for you. It's a whole being practice. See, fasting is of some benefit, though only a little, if it's goal-orientated. So if if, if your goal is to fast for three days, you can tick it off, and it will be of some benefit, but it will only be of a little benefit. Let your fast be formation-orientated. Who am I becoming by the things that I'm doing? If the purpose of your fast is to keep becoming a person who doesn't follow their flesh, a person who doesn't live in distraction or cares, but lingers in the depth, then your fast will not be a goal to tick off and move on from, but something that you keep doing to keep becoming the person that Jesus wants you to become. Lastly, on how to fast, really practical, rest well, go to sleep early. The first day or two of the fast are usually the most challenging. Persevere through this period. If you have any headaches or body reactions that are out of the ordinary, please speak to a medical professional. We don't want people passing out and hitting their heads. But this is a time to push yourself uh, as you find, uh, what, what you'll find is as you fast leisure media, it will be easier for you to go to sleep quicker, uh, earlier, and as you fast uh, sugar-based drinks and c- caffeine, it will be easier for you to fall asleep quicker. So go to bed earlier and fall asleep quicker. It's a benefit. Lean into that. Don't use that extra time, that extra energy to catch up on work that you could do tomorrow or you should have done today. Rest well. So that's the whole. Two quick outcomes. What, what are the outcomes of fasting? Two quick outcomes and then we're done. An outcome of fasting is integrity. Our faith is both personal and public. The Christian faith is personal and public. To have integrity means there is able to be a straight line drawn between my personal faith and my public faith. That's what it means to have integrity. There's no deviation. Who I am in private is the same person that I am in public. As I follow Jesus in public... So I follow him in private. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So many people want their faith to have public impact, but because they have, there's no personal impact in their faith, their public faith has no impact. When your public faith has a bigger impact than your personal faith, it's a shortcut to burnout. When your personal faith has a bigger impact than your public faith, it's often because you haven't understood the culture. The times that you live in. We lack power and authority in our public faith because of two things. What we do and what we don't do in private. We lack power and authority in our public faith because of two things. What we do and what we don't do with our private faith, our personal faith. An outcome of fasting is that there's a greater alignment between your personal and your public faith. And we call that alignment integrity. To ask our overarching question another way. Who are you publicly becoming by what you are privately doing? Who are you publicly becoming by what you are privately doing? That's integrity. And then lastly, an outcome of fasting. You will be kept from false messiahs. So the scriptures that we've been going through um, over the last couple of weeks, looking at the end times and... um, one of the things that Jesus says in Matthew 24 is that many false messiahs will appear and they will deceive many people. What does he mean by that? Many, will, many false messiahs will appear and they'll deceive many people. I don't think what Jesus, in fact, I don't think, I, I'm, I know that what Jesus is saying there is that there's not going to be many people coming around saying, I am the son of God. That, there might be people doing that, but they're not deceiving many. All right? The word messiah in Greek, it's, it's a saviour or a promised one. That's what the word Messiah means, a savior or a promised one. What Jesus is saying is, in the end times, there will be people coming around saying, I can save you, I can promise you things. And they will deceive many. Who is is promising themselves to you? Who is promising you a path to salvation? Who is promising you a path out of the place that you're in that is a false Messiah? Promising you something that they cannot deliver. When I pursue pleasure, When I indulge my flesh, what I'm doing is I'm actually seeking a return to Eden, a return to paradise and perfection. What happens when I try and get there through any means other than Jesus is I end up disillusioned and disappointed. Who is promising you what only Jesus can deliver you? Who or what is promising you peace, fulfillment, comfort, connection, attachment, joy, purpose? See, when we seek those things through self-indulgence, through the pursuit of pleasure, through buffeting our bodies instead of buffeting them, what we're doing is we're trying to enter the kingdom without coming through the king. We want the kingdom, the benefits of the kingdom, without the king. That's a false messiah, a false promise, a false savior. Jesus also says in Matthew 24 that there will be desolation. Desolation is a lack of life. It's barrenness and dryness. It's a desert instead of Eden. False messiahs promise you Eden but end up giving you desolation. They promise you an oasis and you end up in a desert. Not a desert, a desert. Yeah. Desolation. Symptoms of desolation include a dullness of heart. You can't feel, it. your heart is dull. Poverty of spirit, your weakened spirit, barrenness of the soul, your soul is not reproducing life, disappointment that collapses into disillusionment. Neither hope nor joy come easily. Is it easy for you to find hope? Is it easy for you to access joy, or do those things come really hard to you? Worst of all comes a blankness in our life with God, numbness, symptoms of desolation. What happens is we become a limping buffalo at the back of the herd. Vulnerable to predators that want to drag us into desolation. Our enemy, our enemy the devil, is like a roaring lion. wants to take out the limping buffalo at the back of the herd and drag it into desolation. Desolation is a terrible place to be. Why is it that our spirits are often left in desolation while our flesh is indulged? False messiahs. Fasting. Puts our flesh into desolation so that we can nurture our spirit. False messiahs promise us Eden and deliver us a desert. They promise us abundance, but they end up delivering desolation. The opposite of desolation is attachment and nurturing. That's the opposite of desolation. What are you attaching to? Another way of saying this is, what have you given yourself union to? What are you uniting with? Who have you given yourself to union with? Fasting breaks unions that I've created with the things of this world, and it nurtures a union with God. It rescues us out of the desolation of the shallows and the cares, and it nurtures a deep union and connection with God through the buffeting of our flesh and the buffeting of our spirit. I want to read a scripture to close in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. I love that. He went to work on his disciples. Then he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat? I am. Don't run from suffering, but embrace it. Follow me. I'll show you how. Self-help is not help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. It's my way to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of a deal is it to get everything you want, but to lose yourself? What could you possibly trade your soul Friends, I'm asking you this morning to give consideration. I'm not trying to convince you to fast with us. If you don't want to, the Christian faith is always an opt-in invitation from God. Jesus always says, "I have an invitation for you." Everything about the Christian faith is not compelling. It's an. In, it's an. In, there's no compulsion. There's an. In, there's an invitation. He says, "If you want to have my kingdom." then you have to first have me. Fasting is an invitation to buffet my body as waves buffet a coastline. and Over time, those waves begin to shape what the coastline looks like. So as you buffet your body, you'll begin to shape what it looks like. And yeah, I'm talking physically too. Holiness looks good on people. Holiness looks good on you. Sin makes you look ugly. I've seen it. I'm not saying that Christians are necessarily the best looking people in the world. But when you're living a life of surrender and self-denial and not a life of self-indulgence, you will see it. You will see it in people's eyes. You will see it in their countenance, how you present yourself to others. You will see it in their deep inner peace. Holiness looks good on everyone. Consider joining us for a fast this week. It's an invitation an invitation into a lifelong practice that will nurture and grow you. Can I pray for us?